0: Good morning, Birdland. I'm Mark Brown. I've been covering the Orioles for more than a decade on camdenchat.com and hosting this podcast for 85 episodes and counting. It is now December the 4th, 2023. It's been two weeks since I've been here with you, so I'm going to go through a quick recap of all the Orioles news that has happened in that time. Okay, and we're all caught up. Nice and easy. Joking aside, there was a little Orioles news over the weekend. The team reportedly signed an 18-year-old outfielder recently arrived from Cuba, Jordan Sanchez, to a contract with a $450,000 signing bonus. That is a signing that fits under the International Amateur Signing Bonus Pool System, which opened for this year on January 15th and wraps up by the middle of this month. The Orioles had a little extra money left over to spend in their bonus pool that totaled about $5.8 million overall. That was after giving a new team record $2.3 million bonus to the American-born, Dominican-raised shortstop Luis Almeida. Another six players in that signing class received bonuses of at least $100,000 from the Orioles. So now they've got one more on that six-figure signing bonus list. According to reporter Francis Romero who had the news of the signing Sanchez left Cuba earlier this year was of interest to MLB teams due to quote, excellent athleticism and a swing that generates remarkable power and exit velocity end quote. The Orioles, you know, they only drafted two high school players in their 2023 dra- uh, draft class, and they didn't sign either one of those guys. So I think it's nice that they're able to add a little bit of younger talent into the system Here at the end of the year, it does not hurt to save a little bit of money uh, from the bonus pool in case something happens throughout the year where a player becomes available who was not available on January the 15th. So Sanchez is in the Orioles system now. Good luck to him in 2024 and beyond. Although that's the only bit of Orioles news over the last couple of weeks, if you have been thoroughly following every nook and cranny of the world of baseball rumors, you might have come across a couple of names being linked to the Orioles. Will anything come of it? I don't know. But it is worth at least talking about it, because rumors that involve the Orioles in the Mike Elias era are so sparse that it's almost worth looking into any that do appear, just for the sake of something to do, if nothing else. And, you know, the fact that rumors are so sparse, it's not because the Orioles are inactive and not even talking to uh player agents or whatever. It's just, they keep a tight lid on what is going on. You know, some baseball front offices are full of leaks. Like if you dumped a pot of spaghetti into a colander, very leaky, uh, the Astros regime from which Mike Elias was hired was noted for keeping their decision-making process quiet. And that trade has followed him to Baltimore. So it's rare that rumors come along and let's talk about a couple of them. Um, There was a Japanese language website that indicated the Orioles have made an offer to Nippon Ham Fighters right-handed pitcher Naoyuki Uesawa, who has been posted for potential MLB signing under the same posting process as better regarded pitchers Yoshinobu Yamamoto and Shota Imanaga, who I talked about a little bit on the last episode Uh, The article, which, of course, to read in English, you had to hit the translate function on your browser, claimed that the Orioles viewed Uwasawa as a number four or five starting pitcher, maybe that he could be kind of a swingman role, and that he had been offered a contract for uh, two to three years and about $3 million per year. And the posting fee for contracts that are under $25 million is 20% of the total value of the contract. So let's just round up, assume three years and $10 million, potentially an expense uh, for the posting fee of an additional $2 million for that kind of contract. Uh, So again, that's not a huge expense. Now, it's not fun to point this out, but the idea of the Orioles signing Uwasawa after fans, including me, tried to talk ourselves into... Why the Orioles should or will sign someone like Imanaga or Jordan Montgomery or even Sonny Gray, you know, it would feel Elias for the Orioles to quote unquote settle for Uwasawa. Uh, he's coming off a 2023 season in Japanese baseball where he averaged over seven innings per start, finished with a 2.96 ERA, 1.135 whip. He's going to turn 30 before next opening day, and it was a contact-heavy set of results for Uwasawa. He struck out just 124 batters over 170 innings. That is a bit below average in what's already a light strikeout league over in Japan, as even the big-ticket Yamamoto only had a 9.3K per nine rate uh, in Japan last year. Uwasawa, though, a 6.6 strikeouts per nine. I mean... If the Orioles truly are interested in Uwasawa, it does seem like this would basically be uh, trying to go back to the same well, I think, as when they traded for Cole Irvin at the beginning part of the 2023 calendar year. Which, you know, it's it's not exciting to contemplate since Irvin should have been a safe uh, innings, eating back-end guy. He failed to be anything close to that. I don't think that's what the Orioles need, so I don't know why they would look in Uesawa's direction, and maybe they're not. Maybe this Japanese-language website didn't know what it was talking about. Uh, I don't know, but, you know, Mike Elias does have a track record of moves that undershoot what everyone is getting their hopes up for. And so in that sense, Uasawa feels like it might fit in his uh, his mold, but we'll see. Another rumor from recent days that uh, did not involve having to run the translate function on your web browser said that the Orioles have shown interest in free agent reliever Robert Stevenson, the 30-year-old Stevenson. He's coming off a 2023 campaign that saw him traded from the Pittsburgh Pirates to the Rays in June, and after he joined Tampa, he fired off a 2.35 ERA and 0.678 WHIP. That is basically... uh, two batters reaching base every three innings for Stevenson over the 42 games he pitched for the Rays, which is honestly almost unbelievable. Uh, It included an eye-popping 60 strikeouts to just eight walks in 38 and a third innings, which if you're striking out that many guys, that'll certainly help your whip. Uh, You're having a lot of guys with no chance of reaching base if you're striking out that many. Now, he has not been that kind of a pitcher for the duration of his career. He does have a career 10.0 strikeouts per nine innings. So that's pretty good, but uh, that's nothing close to Like he basically went 50% over that for the final four months of the 2023 season. So, you know, the big question for him is how much is he going to look like June through uh, September 2023 with the Rays versus how much is he going to look like the previous incarnation of his career? He does not have closer experience, which also means he's not going to come with a closer price tag. Um, in the realm of contract predictions on baseball sites, there's kind of a split in what Stevenson will command. MLB trade rumors, I think sees him as teams viewing him more as a uh, guaranteed lock as a back end reliever, projecting a four year $36 million contract for Stevenson at fan They only see one year and $10 million for Stevenson. Now, I think if he gets four years, it won't be from the Orioles. And if he gets one year, but for more than $10 million, I also don't think that's going to be from the Orioles. But I do think a one-year $10 million deal for Stevenson would feel like sort of an Elias-like move. It's not too expensive. Uh, The player, of course, doesn't come with an exciting long track record, but there's enough positive there that you you could see the Orioles maybe deciding it's worth making that bet. If you are willing to assume that the Orioles can carry forward something close to the strikeout prowess that Stevenson showed with the Tampa Bay Rays, which, I mean, the Orioles, they have had some good pitching success stories in the past couple of seasons. So unlike, you know, five years ago when you would have to be laughed out of the room uh, at the idea that the Orioles could maybe preserve a positive pitching development that a player made with another team. You don't have to feel like that with the Elias regime. So, you know, you can talk yourself into thinking that something might happen on either of these fronts since this week marks baseball's winter meetings. That does tend to spur some activity, although nothing is guaranteed to happen at the meetings at all, uh, especially considering an Orioles front office that has been marked by caution over the last couple of uh, years after seeing the team emerge into more of a quality team. And also, you know, considering an owner who regularly publicly shoots down the idea that he might ever make a substantial financial commitment for the Orioles payroll and still hasn't signed a lease for 2024, even though there's now uh, what 27 days left in 2023. So the Orioles, they are currently projected for an opening day payroll of $62 million for the 2024 season. Elias has acknowledged looking to bolster both the rotation and the bullpen. There should be payroll space for a significant expenditure there, which does not mean Elias will choose to make one or that John Angelos will set a payroll budget that allows Elias to do so. Still, over the next few days, I will be staying alert because my job for Camden Chat requires it, but also I am a serious Orioles fan who just uh, wants to see something happen. But that said, I don't expect any wave or even ripple making moves for the Orioles over the next few days because Mike Elias just keeps showing us he's not going to do stuff that makes immediate waves. I will be right back after a message from a Fans First Sports Network sponsor. One thing that occasionally reveals itself on this podcast is that I am kind of an idiot, and that's because I convinced myself of the logic of the Orioles doing something substantial, even though by now I know better. Last winter, this meant something as crazy as the Orioles bidding on Justin Verlander. And then that's what I thought they should do and still think that they should have done. Of course, they uh, ended up signing Kyle Gibson. Well, okay, Kyle Gibson, he did deliver uh, what the signing suggested should happen. It was not exciting then. Still, honestly, wasn't terribly exciting. But uh, this offseason, my thing is, I think the Orioles need to trade for or sign a significant starting pitcher or even sign a significant reliever. And at this point, on a rational level, I understand probably it's not going to happen. But still, I'm getting my hopes up. Uh, not that much, but still a little bit. And even a little bit is probably more than I should. Uh, but OK. So since we talked about the starting pitchers last time, I'm going to bring up a few free agent relief uh relief pitchers, really a couple more free agent relievers this time around. Maybe the Orioles will like one of them enough to pay whatever his price is. I do think we can go ahead and safely rule out the Maryland-born, former Orioles farmhand, Josh Hader, who could command a guarantee of over $100 million in his contract, if MLB Trade Rumors' projection is correct. Uh, Even at the Fangraph's prediction of three years and $70 million dollars, for a hater, I think that is far beyond the Elias slash Angelos comfort level for a reliever. So I've got my eye on a couple guys that are in line for modest enough deals that I think they should be in the Orioles' price range. Which again, that is what really trips me up because even when I set my hopes fairly low, that is still too much hope for uh, Orioles spending on free agents, at least. Last, you know, last off season particularly uh, as we are regularly reminded. And of course, it's worth mentioning again here. Mike Elias has yet to sign a free agent to a multi-year contract in his tenure as Orioles general manager. So probably the smart thing to do would be to completely rule out that it's going to happen until he does one. And at least then it's in his track record. But even though I know better, uh, here's a couple more guys to think about. I, I've been eyeing a couple other pitchers who are coming over from Japan this offseason. One of those guys is Yariel Rodriguez, who you've probably guessed just from hearing his name is not actually Japanese, but is a Cuban native. He will be turning 27 years old in March, so he's younger than the typical free agent. Uh, He's been pitching in Japan since 2020. Um, Sort of, because actually he kind of just sort of like Pieced out of pitching for his japanese team the chunichi dragons in the 2023 season he just didn't really show up uh and spent the year in the dominican republic uh after the world baseball classic preparing to head to mlb next year so really he had no measurable professional results of any kind after the uh spring training world baseball classic that is pretty weird uh, it's basically his 2022 season in the Dragons bullpen that makes his case to uh, have some MLB talent, and he struck out 60 guys in 54 and two-thirds innings, which, as I just discussed earlier, that is pretty darn good for uh, NPB. Fangraphs writes that Rodriguez's fastball and breaking ball combo is quote on par with the second or third best reliever coming out of a contender's bullpen end quote. Of course, the Orioles already have a Cuban guy in the back end of their bullpen, Yeni or Cano. Uh, They could pair Rodriguez with him if they sign him. According to MLB trade rumors, there are actually evaluators who believe Rodriguez might be aiming for a starting rotation spot. If he's aiming for that, I don't know that he's going to get it from the Orioles. On the other hand, maybe that will be where they decide to uh, take a chance and sign someone not hugely expensive, but with upside relative to his cost. MLB Trade Rumors projects a four-year, $32 million contract for Rodriguez. Fangraphs has a three-year, $30 million contract. Again, he is a full free agent, so although he's coming over from most recent uh, results in Japan, he will not have any posting fee involved on his contract. So, I don't know. Do the Orioles think he could be a starting pitcher, although his results as a starter in Japan were not very good? Uh, If the Orioles think he has some potential as an MLB starter— You know, you're getting a bargain uh, if you're getting a uh, $30 million contract for three or four years for an MLB starting pitcher, if he is a solid or better starter for those years, which, given that his track record is Cuba and Japan, you know, there's some risk there. Um, And will the Orioles take the risk again? No, probably not. Uh, But maybe they'll surprise us. That's uh, that's the thing I keep telling myself. Eventually, they've got to surprise us, right? Uh, They haven't done it yet. But there's also 28-year-old left-handed pitcher Yuki Matsui, who up until this point has been a reliever for the Tohoku Rakuten Golden Eagles of Sendai, Japan. Uh, Matsui is also a full free agent. He has pitched for Japanese teams long enough that he, too, does not require the posting process to come over to MLB. Um, Matsui, he would be on the short side for an MLB pitcher. He's listed at five feet, eight inches. That doesn't make him an automatic failure, but I, there is a reason there's kind of some, um, some selection where taller pitchers generally are, uh, what succeed in MLB. Again, not a guarantee that he's a failure, but, Uh, it would be unusual for him to find MLB success at that height. Now, Matsui, he's been a big strikeout pitcher for the last couple of seasons. That includes 72 strikeouts in 57 and a third innings this past season out of the Golden Eagles bullpen. He's been able to do that without substantial overwhelming velocity. Uh, The Fangraph scouting report on him notes that he was mostly in the 91 to 94 mile an hour range with his fastball this season. They also note he's had some success with a splitter that kind of makes me think of a shorter and left-handed version of former Oriole Koji Uehara. And for Matsui, uh, Fangraph sees a three year and $30 million contract. So I think that suggests they think teams are going to value him as a pretty solid back end piece. Uh, MLB trade rumors may be thinking him uh, a bit more risky, seeing two years and $60 million. I think he's definitely worth a chance at that latter price. And even at 3 years and 30 million. You know, I mean, the Orioles are in a position where they can make these what amounts to really modest gambles. They are they're they're something that the Orioles should be in a position to make. I think the main risk for them right now is not the money spent, but just that they sign someone or trade for someone who ends up stinking and uh, is no help to the 2024 Orioles or any subsequent years he might be signed for. Uh, You know, ultimately, that is why the midseason acquisitions of Shintaro Fujinami and Jack Flaherty were failures in my eyes. The Orioles needed to get guys who were going to help them in the postseason, really help them get to the postseason. But, uh, you know, they won 101 games, so actually they didn't really need help getting to the postseason, it turned out. Um, They did need help in the postseason, and especially after the, uh, the injury to Felix Bautista and after John Means' uh, his September comeback did not carry over into October since he had a little elbow soreness and didn't pitch in the ALCS. So, you know, Fujinami did not make the ALDS roster at all. Flaherty was, by that point, not an option for the rotation. So, I mean, you know, whoever the Orioles get, they need to get someone who helps. Rather than someone who is an immediate problem who needs to be minimized or eventually released. So they just, they got to do better than trading for Cole Irvin, trading for Shintaro Fujinami, trading for Jack Flaherty. You know, they got to do better than signing Kyle Gibson, I think. I think the Orioles need to get a guy with, uh, really at least like number three starter, uh, solid uh, floor. And if he has ceiling to do better than that, I think even better. I don't know if Elias is going to look at it the same way when it comes down to uh, paying the price in prospects or dollars uh, to actually make that happen. But I mean, it it just looks like that's what the Orioles need. And are they going to do it, man? I don't know. Uh, I, I I really hope eventually they're going to surprise us all and make a significant expenditure. But even when they do that, I'm going to be freaking nervous because a lot of these free agent deals end up not going as well as you want. So it's, uh, it's, you know, it's nerve wracking either way. I guess it's the way, uh, it is, or perhaps to me, it's nerve wracking either way, because that's just the way that I am wired. Before we wrap up for this episode, there is one more piece of fresh baseball news. It's not directly Orioles related, but I think is of interest to us anyway. The Milwaukee Brewers are signing their 19-year-old outfield prospect, Jackson Chorio, to an eight-year contract that will guarantee him $82 million and potentially be worth up to $142 million over 10 years. The Venezuelan native has made a similar rapid ascent of the prospect ranks as uh, Orioles prospect Jackson Holiday. And in fact, these two guys named Jackson are uh, one and two on a number of prospect lists right now, including MLB pipelines, where Holiday is number one and Chorio is number two. It is super rare for a player who has yet to make his MLB debut to sign a contract extension, and this will be a record setting contract for such a player. The previous record was uh, $50 million that the Chicago White Sox gave over uh, six years to their outfielder, Luis Robert. And so, Chorio, he could potentially be leaving a lot of money on the table by letting the Brewers control him for 10 years, but. He's also guaranteed that he'll make a lot of money no matter what happens in his baseball career from now on. I think this is an interesting contract because it's basically the platonic ideal of a contract that we wish the Orioles would hand out to one of their young prospects or, um, you know, even uh, just freshly off being a rookie this year players. Uh, It's relatively a trivial expense for a team to lock into for such a massively talented prospect who has rapidly ascended their minors holiday of course uh, would have been the most obvious candidate right now. And a year ago, Gunnar Henderson, uh, ideal candidates for a deal like this, except for they're being represented by agent Scott Boris, who eschews any contract that uh, gives up free agent years for his clients. It has happened before, but very, very rarely that a Boris client signs a deal giving up uh, free agent years. So Chorio, his deal, it surrenders three or four free agent seasons, depending on uh, how the brewers might have looked at when they wanted to call him up in 2024 without his already being signed to this contract. And, you know, being his holiday is also the son of a 15 year major league veteran who collected nearly $160 million in salary in his playing career. He just doesn't have the same financial incentive. I think as Torrio does to lock in a guarantee of any amount. Now, uh, you know it's it's just not worth it for him to give up the free agent years when he's got that family wealth. I think, and really, even if he doesn't have the family wealth at his disposal, uh, disposal. Excuse me. Jackson Holiday got a massive signing bonus when the Orioles drafted him. That's like six million dollars more than uh, what. Uh, Chorio got as a uh, international free agent. Holiday got 8.2 million dollars, basically, and uh, Jackson Chorio's signing bonus from the Brewers was 1.8 million dollars as an international amateur. And again, you know that's coming from Venezuela. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't know about the Chorio family uh, wealth, but it probably not anywhere near the Holiday family wealth. So it's not going to happen with Jackson Holiday. We just all got to forget about it. Don't uh, don't get your hopes up. It's not happening. You just got to stop right now. However, I will say, if in one year's time, catching prospect Samuel Basayo has continued to gain steam on the hype train that got rolling for him this year, the Orioles should darn well be thinking about giving a contract in this vein to Basayo. And we should absolutely get mad at John Angelos if the team is not making this happen uh, with the, the the Orioles own young and rapidly ascending international amateur prospect uh, in, in a year's time. That's all that I've got for today. If you enjoy this show, please do subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. It is nice to have an audience. For the off-season, episodes will be coming out weekly on Monday. If a substantial Orioles move does happen during the winter meetings, I will try my best to get out a breaking news episode as soon as possible. Upon uh, that news coming out, I'll have to write about it for Camden Chat first, and then we'll try to get into the podcast. But we'll see. I don't expect anything to happen anyway, so either way, I will be back for sure on the 11th to discuss what did or did not happen at the winter meetings Thank you for listening. Good Morning Birdland is a Camden Cast production on the Fans First Sports Network. This is Mark Brown signing off.